Okay, here we go. Okay, so Bezat Hashem, we are starting now. Uh, we are left in the previous page. If you come back, please, to 45B3. So I stopped short yesterday from the last paragraph because it is a new topic, kind of, that goes into the page 46. So just to remember, uh, towards the end of page 45, let me just let Shmuel come in. So um, towards the end of page 45, so there was a, an argument between Rishlakish and Rabbi Yochanan. So if you see in the bottom, Shmuel Shalom Aleichem, if you see in the bottom of the column, the left column of page 45b3, so the Gemara brought an argument between Rabbi Yochanan and Ishlakish regarding a big candelabra. So according to Ishlakish, if it's a candelabra, a menorah, that you can carry with one hand, then it's not muksi. You can carry it on Shabbos. According to Rabbi Shimon, after it's already off, not when it's on, obviously. But if it's a double, if it's, it's, if it's so heavy, and you need two hands to schlep it, to carry it, according to Rishlakish, it would be asur, would be forbidden to carry. Would be muksa. And Rabbi Yochanan, he holds, <laughs> big or small, one hand or two hands, it's forbidden to carry. Okay, so why, why, what, what is the basis of this argument? So the Gemara in, in initially is going to tell us the reason. So the, we're going to go to the last paragraph in the page. So says says the Gemara, why is this that is forbidden? So says the Gemara. Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef Damet Arvayu, Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef both give a reasoning. Because a person designates a place for this menorah. So this is a new type of muksi. So look in the footnote number 23. That a candelabra is not meant to be moved. It's set down to a specific location. So therefore, that this renders a new level of mukse, and that's why you cannot move it. Okay, but then Abaye is going to challenge this. Omele Abaye, Abaye challenged Rabbi Yosef. So he said, "Varei kilos chosonim." So a canopy for uh, how you pronounce it, bridal bed. So look in the picture in the bottom of the page. So this is like a tent. So because it doesn't have a roof, because it's like in a triangle, whatever you call it, in the top. So therefore, it's not considered an oil. We're going to see soon in the next page. But what, 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 what Abai is telling over here, this is something also that is Kobea Makon. This canopy is being designated 
to be fixed in a place, not to be moving it around the house. And nevertheless, let's move on to the next, uh, now to member uh, to 46. Shmuel said regarding this kilos chasanim that mutar lenatoisa umutar lefarsa b'shabes. A person might spread or open it and also might take it down on Shabbos. So look in the footnote. Because you have a tefach on top, horizontal, at its peak, so according to Shmuel, it's not considered an oil. It would be a tent. You are not permitted to put on a tent or to put it out on Shabbos. But because this goes in a slant, like no flat tefach on top, it's not an oil. So therefore, you're allowed to move it. So says Abaye, why? If you're telling me something like the menorah, like candelabra, that has been set to be in a specific place, also this kila, this canopy should be forbidden to move it on Shabbos. Rather, says Abaye, the, the, the basis of the prohibition for both Rabbi Yochanan and Mishlakish must be a different one. So says Abaye, Lamar Abaye, Julio is so we are dealing over here in a candelabra that is made out of sections. Julio's is like vertebras. So we're dealing with a candelabra that is composed of sections. So then we why Hachamin say you shouldn't move it, because we are concerned that if you move it, it might break. And then, if it breaks, a person might be tempted to reassemble it, to put it together. And if you put together an instrument like that, it's called makavepatish. Something that is made to put, let's say you have a chair. You know, I haven't seen in South Africa more, much, but in other countries you see folding chairs. They, they close and they open. So a folding chair is made to be folding and op opening and closing on Chavez. That is okay to do it, do and undo. O also there's like a, for babies, like a pram, a crib, also that is okay. But something like a menorah, like a candelabra, that is not meant to be done and undone on Chavez. If it gets dis dismantled and a person puts all the pieces together back on Chavez, that will be the Melech of Makkah So says Abaye, because of that, we're dealing with that type of candelabra, that Chachamim were concerned that a person may end up putting together in case that it, um, this, uh, in case that it dismantles. So that is the reason. The Gemara is gonna ask on this. Says the Gemara, Iachi, if that is the case and that is the reason, why Rabbi Shimon would say that we permitted if it's a light one that you can shape it with one hand? What difference does it make? Whether it's light, you can move it with hand or not, you, you have the concern it might get dismantled and you might end up putting it together back. So says the Gemara, you're right. Rather, it's not literally, as we said, a candelabra made out of sections, what is the meaning of a valle that we're dealing with a candelabra made out of sections? 
Ken Julios. Now it appears to be like sessions, but really we're dealing with the candelabra that Eisba Hidke, that is made out of Hidke. So Hidke uh, is grooves. I hope I pronounce it properly. That have some looks like sections, but it's really only one piece of metal. Look in Rashi. It's very interesting. No, it's not that it's connected to the topic, but just look what Rashi what he says in the Hitki. Says Rashi, Hatichol Savivla has different pieces around it. Look in Rashi, Kronas. So what's going on today with the virus Corona? You can remember as a seaman in page 46, the word Corona, Kronas, says Rashi. So because this gives the appearance to be made out of sections, so Hami made a Xeira. So they said a person shouldn't carry a, a candelabra it has uh, these grooves that people might think he's schlepping a candelabra made out of sections. And the Gemara cl clarifies this. Ilkach. Julio is, if it's really made out of sections, whether it's a big one that you need two hands to schlep it on one hand, Asura letaltela, would be forbidden to move it for both, for Rabbi Yohanan and for Ishlakish. Now, Gdoila, if it's a big candelabra that you need two hands to move it, Nami also, there is Bechitke, and even if it doesn't have sections, but it has grooves that might appear to have sections, you cannot move it, Zeira, Atukdola de Julios. Because people might confuse if it has grooves that you move in one that have sections, even with grooves, you cannot move it if it's big enough. Because usually big candelabras are made out of sections. Only regarding Aktana, a small one, there is Wahidki. And obviously that is not with sections, where I mentioned with sections will be forbidden. But a small one that has grooves, that is the Machlokis. So Mar Savar Gazrinan, according to Rabbi Yohanan, according to the master, to the sir, even a small one, Chachami made a Xeira, because if people look at you carrying even a small one with grooves, they might come to think you're carrying a small one with sections, and therefore they say it's forbidden to carry it. Mar Savar Gazrinan, but Rish Lakish holds, a small one, people know that small candelabras, they are, they, are not, they are not made out of sections. And even if it has grooves, people will know it's one piece altogether and there was no need to make a zera. And that's what Kondilish Lakish would be permitted to carry it. Okay, now we go back to a different topic. So, if you remember, yesterday we saw that according to Rabbi Itzhak, Rabbi Yohanan holds like Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Yohanan, the Amor of Eretz Israel, he holds like Rabbi Yehuda of the Mishnah that he holds about the broader concept of Muxa. So the Gemara is going to question that. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yohanan, is it so that Rabbi Yohanan holds like Rabbi Yehuda? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yohanan, we have a general uh, rule stated by Rabbi Yohanan, Allah Mishnah. This is unbelievable. You need to be a great scholar like Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan learned the entire Shas. 
the entire Shisha Sidrei Mishnah, all the orders of the Mishnah, and he said an unbelievable general statement. This is unbelievable vacuous. He said every single Mishnah of Shas that is anonymous, Allah follows our opinion. Whenever you have a Mishnah stating something, sta Mishnah, Allah is like that. So says the Gemara, if that is the case, we're going to find a Mishnah that actually we saw two pages ago, sta Mishnah, that follows Rabbi Shimon. Even the Gemara told us two pages ago that that Mishnah is following Rabbi Shimon. But Rab, the Amora of, of Babel, of Babylonia, that he holds like Rabbi Uda, he doesn't have to follow that Mishnah. That is Rabbi Shimon, he follows a different Mishnah, but a different Talacha. But if Rabbi Yochanan stated that Stam Mishnah is Allah is like that, what are we going to do with this Mishnah? They pass his like Rabbi Shimon. There's none. So again, you're going to recognize it from two pages ago. We're dealing with a big couch, that that big couch had a portable wheel. So says the Mishnah, when it's removable, when you can take it out of the couch, so then it's not considered part of the couch for the following alahas. One of them, that is not considered attached to the couch, and therefore, if the couch became tame, this wheel doesn't become tame. Second thing, is not measured together with the couch. So we spoke about it that if it's too big of a, uh, of a f f piece of furniture, if it's too big, more than the volume, liquid volume of 40 CA, then it's not considered a vessel, and therefore it wouldn't uh, receive tuma, impurity. But if it's less than the volume of 40 CA, liquid 40 CA, then it's considered a vessel and would acquire tuma. Now, if this couch only reaches the 40 CA, which is a measurement of volume, together with the wheel, the wheel is not part of the couch, and therefore will acquire tumor. The third alaha, Now, if you were moving this couch, and this couch went over a corpse or something that they are great that gives Thomas mess. So if it's bigger, that is not considered a vessel, then it's considered like a roof that is blocking between the tumor coming from down, coming up from the corpse. It blocks it, and any things, any vessels, or any things on top of the couch, they are pure. They don't get contaminated. But if something is sticking out of the couch, even though that part is sticking out of the couch is on top of the wheel, because this is a removable wheel, it's not considered part of the couch, and therefore the wheel doesn't block the tumor coming up. So whatever would be sticking out of the couch on top of the wheel, both the wheel and the thing on top are going to become uh, impure. That is very much as well as does not uh, protect from tumor when passing over a corpse. 
And finally, the fourth thing has to do with Olacha is Shabbos. Ve'en godelin Shabbos, If there were some coins left in the wheel, you are not allowed to move it on Shabbos because it's mukse. If there's some money on it, it's mukse. So we made an inference two pages ago, and again now, from this Mishnah you learn that only as long as there's money on the wheel is mukse. But if there's no money on top of the wheel or inside of the wheel, Sharia is not mukse. So you see that the tongue of this Mishnah doesn't hold. Let me, let me keep on reading. And even though there was some money on the wheel at the beginning of Shabbos, in the period of twilight, as long as now, when this person wants to move the couch, there's no money in the wheel, somebody took it out, it's not Moksa. So we see that this mission is Abishimon. That doesn't hold of the principle that if something was mux at the beginning of Shabbos, has to be Muxa for the entire Shabbos. So how could it be that Rabbi Hanan holds like Rabbi Uda if he says in the entire Shas we always follow Stam Mishnah and this Stam Mishnah, this Mishnah, anonymous Mishnah is Rabbi Shimoin. So he cannot hold like Rabbi Uda. That is a question on the statement that Rabbi Yochanan follows Rabbi Uda. So says the Gemara, Rabbi Zeira, Rabbi Zeira comes to defend this position. That Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Why are you uh, inferring from the Mishnah that we're doing in a case that there was money at the beginning of Shabbos, but then money was taken out and therefore must be Rabbi Shimon? Say no. Say that this Mishnah is dealing in a case when the Mishnah said if there was not money, the Mishnah meant if there was not money at the beginning of Shabbos. Only then you can move the bed or the couch. I'm sorry, talking about the couch. And make it to be like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay? So the Mishnah says that the Mishnah is dealing in a case where there was no money on the wheel throughout the whole Benashmashos. And therefore, it can be Rabbi Yehuda. In order not to break the words of Rabbi Yochanan, that he follows Rabbi Yehuda. Okay. So this is how we end up this analysis. And indeed, we do hold that Rabbi Yochanan follows Rabbi Yehuda. Now, what is Allah Lemaise? So listen to the following words. Amen, Rabbi Levi. Rabbi Shavin says the following. Pamachas, one time, Allah Rabbi Le Diospera. That's the name of the place. Rabbi Danasi went to this place. Now, this statement is not so clear. The Gemara is going to have to, to clarify it. So, Rabbi taught in that place that Allah follows Rabbi Shimon in Menoira, just like in a candle. So the Gemara asks, what did he mean to say? Did Rabbi Paskin that the Laha is in the candelabra like Rabbi Shimon Bener? 
like Rabbi Shimon holds regarding a candle Le'etera, that is permitted once the light went out that you can move it. The same thing would apply to a candelabra. A dilma, or maybe what Rabbi Shimon even meant to say is Eila Bimenora Le'isura. No, that regarding a candelabra, like we saw, also by Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan is going to be forbidden. And then a second statement, but regarding a candle, he passed like Rabbi Shimon, that is permitted. And the Gemara says, take him to say, Eliyahu will come and will answer all our questions and all problems. Meaning to say, we really don't know exactly, according to Rabbi Shimon Levi, what Rabbi Danasi passed. The Gemara brings many stories. Rav Malkia. This was a rabbi, Rav Malkia, Ikla Levei, Rav Smalai. He once went to the house of Rav Smalai on Shabbos, Shraga, and he followed Rabbi Shimon's alaha. That after the candle went out, he moved the candle like Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Smalai, but Rabbi Smalai objected because Rabbi Smalai. Basking like Rabbi Yuda. A similar case, Rabbi Yossi, uh, Rabbi Yossi Gliloe, Rabbi Yossi from the Galil, look in the footnotes. This is not the famous Tana Rabbi Yossi Aglili, this is Namora, but was also Rabbi Yossi, also from the Galil. Ikla Alease de Rabbi Yossi by Rabbi Hanina, <coughs> once went to the place of Rabbi Yossi by Hanina on Chavez, and the same thing, Tilto Shraga, he moved. A candle after it went out on Shabbos, following Rabbi Shimon's opinion. But Rabbi Yossi got upset, objected, because he held like Rabbi Yuda. Now, a third story Rabbi Bau. Now, Rabbi Bau with the pen, where he were, where he did go, where, where did he go? When he used to go, he clearly asked the Rabbi Shimon Levi. We saw previously, remember, that Rabbi Shavuot Levi basking like Rabbi Shimon, with the candle that is permitted to move it after it goes out. So says the Gemara, when Rabbi Abba would go to the place of Rabbi Shavuot Levi, Abba metal then he would move a candle on Shabbos following Rabbi Shimon's opinion. But when Rabbi Abba kikla leaseh Rabbi Yochanan, we just saw that Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Yudah, so when he used to go to Rabbi Yochanan's place, he wouldn't move a candle after he went out on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, we don't understand Rabbi Rao. What does he hold? If he holds like Rabbi Yudah, that there's Mukse, he should always follow Rabbi Yudah. But if he holds like Rabbi Shimon, he should always carry a candle like Rabbi Shimon. So why in the place of Rabbi Shua would carry and the place of Rabbi Hanan wouldn't carry? Says the Gemara, you're right, you're right. He indeed holds like Rabbi Shimon that is per permitted to move a candle on Shabbos after one out. But but because of respecting, honoring Rabbi Yochanan's position, 
even though he held, and also Rabbi Shemelevi holds that is permitted, like Rabbi Shimon, since Rabbi Yochanan holds is forbidden, out of respect for Rabbi Yochanan, he wouldn't carry in the place of Rabbi Yochanan. Okay. Now the Gemara is going to bring us the Psak of Rav Yehuda, of Rav Yehuda de Amoira. Look in the footnotes. This is Rav Yehuda, the student of Shmuel and Rav de Moraim in Babylonia. So he holds like Rabbi Shimon. So Rav Yehuda de Amora, since he holds like Rabbi Shimon, said the following, Shraga, if you lit a candle, the Mishra, with oil, Shari Taltula. After it goes out, it's permitted to move it, it's not muxi, like Rabbi Shimon. But the nafta, if you lit a candle with neft, so neft is a derivative of pitch. And because of that, nafta is very bad smelling. And therefore, after it goes out, there's no usage for it. People wouldn't use a candle that was lit with nafta because it's very smelly. And the only us usage is to light again with nafta. But since on Shabbos you cannot kindle a candle for a second time, according to, even according to Rabbi Shimon, says Rab Yehuda, would be forbidden to move it, would be mukse. Also the Tartula. Nevertheless, this is Rab Yehuda. But Rabba and Rab Yosef disagree. They hold, no, even a candle that was kindled with nafta, according to Rabbi Shimon, after it was out, you can move it on Shabbos. The Gemara is going to let us know some why. The Gemara tells us a very interesting story. It sounds like a funny story. We're going to see it soon. Rab Avia. Rab Avia Ikla Levei Robe. Once Rab Avia went to the house of Robe. Now, Avamia's son be betina. His feet were full, were dirty with mud. Asevi apuria kamede robe. Nevertheless, even though Ravavia's feet were dirty with mud, he placed them on the bed of the of Robe's house. And Robe got very upset with him. So. Ikpad Robe, Robe got upset with cross with Rabiaria for dirtying his bed. So he wanted to cause some distress, some pain to Rabiaria for doing what he did. Now, we're going to see soon in the footnote number 16 why, because it sounds weird. When I first read the Gemora, say, give me a break. R the great Robe de Amora is getting upset with Rabiaria, and now he's going to just try to get him. But we're going to see soon why and what. So Amale, so Rabbi asked him a question. Maitama, what is the reason behind Rabbi Rabbi Yosef, the Amitar Vayu, the both Paskind, Shraga, the Nafta, Namisharil Taltula, that a candle that was lit with Nafta is permitted to move it after it went out. Amale, so Rabbi knew the answer, so he told Rabbi the answer. Since it's already considered a vessel, ah, that's a, I'm sorry, that's maybe the next answer. Why? Because even though you cannot use it for 
uh, anything else but there's still one usage you can use with it you can put it on top of a vessel to cover the vessel by money to protect to cover a vessel so look in the footnote number 16 very interesting i'm going to just read the very bottom oh no 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 one second no we have to read a little bit more okay so robert challenged this if that's true called soros any rocks any stones in a courtyard metal you should also be permitted to move them you can also take a rock of your courtyard of your garden and cover your uh, your bottle whatever you need to cover with why then do you hold that stones are muxen now there's a difference the candle even though it was lit with nafta it's already considered a vessel so therefore you can use it for whatever you want any but rocks they, don't, they are not considered a vessel. Max, don't move on, stay in this page. They are not considered a vessel. Why? Because there are rocks in the garden, in the courtyard. Nobody has uh, designated them to be a vessel. So something that hasn't been designated to be a vessel is considered the, 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 the thing itself is mukse, but this candle, it already has a usage, and so we're going to see, he's going to bring a Mishnah to prove that point. But look, look over here, in the last paragraph of the page, in the footnotes, in the name of the Hassan Sofer. This is unbelievable, this is so nice, look at this. The, the Hassan Sofer and Hazon Yecheskel illuminate this discussion as follows. The Gemara further down is going to bring that Rove has a ruling that since shards like these things, stones, rocks, are fit to be used to cover vessels, they are not muxi and therefore might be used to scrape the mud of one's shoes. But Rav Avia disagrees and deliberately placed his muddy shoes on Rava's bed to demonstrate that he disagrees with Rava. And uh, that's why he didn't use them to remove the mud out of his shoes. Because of Rabbi Rabbi got upset with him. So Rabbi, Rabbi therefore sought an opening to ask Rabbi Since you agree with my reasoning, that's something which is fit to be used for covering a utensil is not mukse, and that's why uh, Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef asked him that you could use the candle for the nafta, for other things, so why did you not take a shard from the courtyard and wipe the mud of your shoes before entering my home? However, Ravavia uh, knew the answer and what makes a difference. So it's very nice explanation to understand that it, it wasn't just Robbie being cross with him and trying to bother him by asking questions. Like maybe he wouldn't know the answer. There was a whole dialogue over here in Allah, a beautiful thing. Okay, so he goes back to the question. So, sorry. So he said, I'm sorry, he already gave the answer. 
that the difference between stones is that they haven't ever been designated as a vessel, but over here the candle has been designated as a vessel, and that's where you can move it. And now Milotania, now isn't he been taught, not in a mission, in a Brisa, the following thing. Says the Brisa, a shadim, then a zomim, that aboys. Bracelets, nose rings, and rings, array and kehol, kehol akelim, and italim bechotzer, they are like any other utensils that may move in a courtyard. So, look in the footnote number one. It's very interesting. And this is, tells you psychology of ladies. <laughs> Initially, it was permitted for ladies to carry out into the public domain these things. A bracelet, a nose ring, rings. Why? Because they are considered a garment. So you're allowed to walk with your garments to public domain. But then there was a problem that these ladies in the public domain, they met their friends and they wanted to show their friends their places and their nose rings and the rings. And they took them out of their body, of their body to show them to their friends. And after they showed them to their friends, they, they started walking with them, carrying them in their hands. So you are permitted to wear uh, jewelry as part of your, your, your garment if you're wearing it. But if you're carrying it, it's forbidden. So let me tell you, by the way, an alaha. What about a watch? Now here in Johannesburg, we don't have a problem because you have an eruv. But if you happen to be in a city on Shabbos, there's no eruv. You can only wear your watch if it's a good quality like a fancy schmancy Rolex or one of those, that even if he stops in the middle of Shabbos, you will still carry it, keep on wearing it. But if he's not, it's a Chinese brand, pirate, that if it stops, you're gonna try to, to remove it, then you are not allowed to wear that watch on Shabbos. It's the same Allah over here. But nevertheless, as a price, huh? But, ah, so this is, they for, Chachamin said for ladies, they are forbidden to carry jewelry out on the street. And the Chachamin said, look in the footnotes, one opinion holds, not only they said they cannot carry it in the public domain, even in a courtyard, they said they shouldn't carry it. Because if they carry it in the courtyard, they may end up taking them out to the street. But even that opinion is the price that we saw. Even if it would be forbidden, to wear the rings or the bracelets in the courtyard, but that doesn't mean they become mukse. They are not mukse. And if the lady it's, it happens to be in the courtyard, you can put it to cover something that's not mukse. So from here brings um, Rav Avia that the same thing, the candle of the nafta. You see that something that has some sort of usage it doesn't become mukse. That's the end of this paragraph. We have Marula, and Ula explained that my time, my time, what is the reason that you can move them? So once uh, these bracelets, because they already have a status of a utensils, that's why they're permitted to be moved on Shabbos. So says the same thing with the candle of Nafta. Since 
there's already uh, the status of utensil to the candle. That's why Rabbi Nabiyasov said that it can be moved. But rocks in a courtyard, they are not a vessel, and that's why you can move it. You cannot move them. And just to end up the story with happy ending, Amar Amlach Maritzvak, and as I said, Baruch Nachmana, blesses Hashem, Baruch Hashem, the Lord Kasif, Rabbe Rabbe Bina, that Rabbe did not embarrass Rabbe Avia. Okay, that's a nice end of the story. Oh, I should have stopped it. Let me stop it over here. Okay, let's move on on side B of the page. Now, uh, Abaye is going to pose a seeming contradiction to Rabbi. Tanya, we saw also a couple of pages ago a Brisa. If somebody lit a candle in uh, a lit a candle or a bowl with oil and then the fire goes out we saw Machlokes Rabiuda and Rabbi Shimon according to Rabbi Yudah it's going to be Asur it's going to be forbidden to use that oil because it, it was Mokse from the beginning but according to Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon it's going to be permitted again because according to Rabbi Shimon once the fire goes out both the candle and the oil, they are not muks anymore. So we see, according to Rabbi Shimon, it's not mukse. Alma Rabbi Shimon lays the mukse. So we see from here, Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold of the broad application of mukse. But then, what are you going to do with the following teaching? Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon says the following. Kol shin mumu nikar merev yontev. So look, it's a, a very long footnote over here, footnote number four. So let me tell you what it says over there. We're dealing with an animal that is a bechoyer. We're holding like a, a ram. Somebody, how you call it in English? A baby ram. Kid? No, kid is a goat, no? Okay, call it baby ram. Okay, so you have a baby ram. That is a Bechoyer, a firstborn. And he didn't hear a Siyam on Erev Pesach. No, I'm joking. So the Torah says, a Bechoyer animal, of a kosher animal, of a Torah animal, has to be offered in the Besa Migdash. But if there's a blemish on the animal, that is a permanent blemish on the Bechoyer, then it cannot longer be brought as a korban in the Besa Mikdash because you don't bring korbanos of blemished animals. But then it just stays for the coin. And the coin can make a bride and have it whenever he wants. Even on Yontef. You're allowed to cook on Yontef. You're allowed to shecht on Yontef and cook and make a bride. Okay, that's Allah. But what happens if when Yom Tov started, this animal, Abechor, didn't have a mum, didn't have a blemish. So at the beginning of Yom Tev, you weren't sure that, you, that maybe something's going to happen to this animal, to this 
uh, young uh, ram, and there is going to have a permanent, permanent blemish, and then you won't, be, you won't be able to eat it. So therefore, according to Rabbi Shimon, it's mukse. It's forbidden even if a blemish happens to this animal, a fixed blemish happens to the animal on Yontef, according to Rabbi Shimon, it already became mukse. You are not allowed to, to eat it. Now, why? Because there's another Allah. Look in the footnotes later. I'm telling you the Allah. That is not so simple that if a blemish happens to the animal, even if it's a fixed blemish, you can eat it. If it's an obvious one, let's say a dog came and ate one of the legs of the little goat or the little ram, and now the little ram is missing a leg. So that is obvious, is a permanent blemish, and you for sure could eat that animal. But there's many other blemishes that they are not so simple. It's in, uh, we're gonna, yeah, ah, we're gonna get soon there. It's in uh, Parashas Amor, Amor al So over there it says, if it has something in the eye, something in the lips, whatever, there's some certain blemishes that are not so simple to recognize. For that, you need a special mumche, a rag with smicha, to paskin whether this is a permanent blemish or not. Now, because unless you have that psak, that ruling of an expert on blemishes, until you get that psak, the Behor is not permitted for the coin to be eaten outside of the temple. And Rabbi Shimon rules that Chachamim didn't permit this mumchim to give such, such a psak on Yontif. Why not? Because it resembles a ruling of a case, a court case of monetary dealings. Just like it's forbidden for a basin to make a court case of monetary rulings on Yontef. So Rabbi Shimon said, similar to that, it's forbidden for a rab that is a mumche, is an expert on Bechorois, to give a ruling that this blemish on the Bechor is a fixed one. Okay? So says Rabbi Shimon, even if it happened, all these things, that this animal of this Bechor, of this coin, I'm sorry, even if it happened that the animal that the coin had, there was a Bechor, got all of a sudden a fixed blemish on Yantef. And it happened that an expert went against the Gzaira of Chachamim, and he passed and he said, you know why to the coin, you know what to the coin? I see the blemish on your animal, and it's a fixed one, and you can go and eat it. Says Rabbi Shimon, even after the psak, the animal is still muksim. Since at the beginning of Yontef, it wasn't to be expected for the animal to get a blemish and to get a ruling, even after the fact, after the blemish, after the ruling, 
the animal remains muxer. So this is a kasha that Rabbi is asking. If Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold off muxer, that just because at the beginning of Shabbos it was muxer, it should remain muxer for the entire Shabbos. Why over here in the case of this animal, says Rabbi Shimon, that even after the Gantz Megillah, I just told you, is going to remain muxer. That is a kasha. Let's read it in the Gemara. <laughs> So, Rabbi Shimon Eimer, Rabbi Shimon says, Any animal that its blemish was not recognized, wasn't detected before Yontev, the animal is not considered prepared and cannot be slaughtered for Yontev. Since when Rabbi Shimon holds that something has to be prepared beforehand, that is a cash. So says Rabbi, Rabbi is the one that Rabbi asked him. Ach he told him the answer. You know why? Awesome. Because regarding the candle, the person is kind of waiting, looking forward, when he anticipates when this lamp is going to go out, and once it's out, I'm going to be able to benefit from the oil because that's something that happens. And therefore, even according to Rabbi, Sh and therefore according to Rabbi Shimon, it's not Mokseh, even though Benashmashus was Mokseh. But Aha, regarding your uh, case that you brought me regarding the Behor, Adam Yoshev, it's in question mark, is a person sitting down on Metzape Masai Ipolvomu? Is a person waiting and anticipating when? This develop is gonna with this behold is gonna develop a blemish? Obviously not. And why? Because the person says, Memorama, the person says, Mi Yomar Muma. First of all, who says at all that a blemish is gonna happen to this animal on Yontif? Right? That's the first thing a person questions. And even if the person thinks, even if you're gonna tell me it's gonna happen, the nafil be muma. That this animal is going to get a blemish. Who says the type of blemish is going to happen to this animal is going to be a fixed one that's going to permit it to me to be to eat it. And the person keeps on thinking. And even if you tell me the nafil me that this animal is going to get a fixed blemish. Who says I'm going to be able to find uh, an expert rabbi? That he's going to be willing to go against Chachamim. He, so he has to be such a Talmud Chacham that he can bask in on moving of Bechorois, of, of, of blemishes of Bechorois, but he, he doesn't have Irat Shemaim, or he has ignorant to be able to bask in against Chachamim in, 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 in a forbidden way. So because all these three conditions are very remote, they're going to end up happening, so the person from the beginning of Yantem, he already considers, he already gives up on the opportunity, he might end up using the animal on Yantem. And that's why Rabbi Shimon agrees that it would be Muxer. Let me tell you, let me compare it to you, to that, the Gemara two pages ago, when we saw that the Gemara quoted this Brisa, the Gemara quoted another Brisa that Rabbi Shimon agrees that if it's a big bowl, a big 
vessel, then he agrees it's going to be mukse because of the same reasoning. Now, Abaye won't take an easy answer. He don't take an easy no. Actually, it wasn't Abaye, it's Rami Barhama. Rabbi Barham is going to challenge this answer of Rabbi. It's a Mishnah towards the end of Masech Shabbos that says the following. A person would be permitted to annul a vow on Shabbos. Please look together with me in Fundu number 8. A husband might exercise his right to annul his wife's vow or a father to his daughter if she's a minor. So there's certain Nedarim, vows, that the Torah gave permission to a husband or to a father of a minor daughter in case they do make a nether for them to annul it, annul it, to say it's void. So even on Shabbos, okay, says the Mishnah. Let's just continue the Mishnah. Also, if somebody made a nether, a vow, he can go to a Chacham to make a Taras Nedarim, to release the vow if he needs it for Shabbos. Okay? So, let's continue. So therefore, let's say a lady made a vow, a nether, that she wanted cake on Shabbos. Enough is enough! I'm gaining five kilograms on Pesach. So she makes a nether for next Shabbos, forget about it, and make a nether. Cakes are forbidden to me. Okay? And she enters Shabbos like that. And the husband finds out. So the Torah says, on the very same day that the husband finds, finds, finds I'm forgetting my English, finds, found out, <laughs> finds out that the wife makes a nether, he can nullify it. So the question is why should be Muxa? You told me regarding the animal of the Yontef that since a person wasn't expecting at the beginning of Yontef that it would be a blemish on the animal and that somebody is going to come to be matir to tell him is a, a munkabua, therefore the whole thing he doesn't think about it is Muxa. It's the same thing over here. The wife made a nether. Forget about cakes on Shabbos. So it should be muksa for the entire Shabbos. Why? If the husband is, is matil or mafer the, the nether, now she would be allowed to eat the, the cake on Shabbos. Why don't we say according to Rabbi Shem, it should be muksa? That is the question. Lema mi say, who says, the mizak lebal, that my husband is going to be such a nice husband and he's going to get involved and he's going to kneel in my bow. So it's the same question. Says the Gemara, Rami Barhama, are you serious? You think that's a kasha? Now, um, look in the funnel number 10. The Rishami has a question over here. How can Rami Barhama compare both cases? In the case of the, of the Behor, it is prohibited for a Chacham to be Matthew the Nether. So maybe that's why over there, according to Rabbi Shimon, 
the owner of the animal is not expecting such a happening to, 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 go, to come about. Somebody's come, come and against Chachami be matir my animal? That's why he, he is meyayesh. He says it's not, it's not happening, and that's why he's mukse. But over here, it's permitted for a husband to undo the name of the wife. Why? Why is he comparing the cases? So look at the answer of the Rishonim says that since it's not within her power to make the food available for herself, nor can she expect this to occur through a natural means, so that's Rami Barhaman's opinion that we must say that she abandons her for using it. So this is the rule. Any item that can become available only through somebody else's intervention, that is what Rami Barham is asking. Maybe we should say it should be Muxa. That is a cash. Okay? So the Gemara says, Awesome. You know why over there is Mutar? Following the teaching of Rabe, quoted by Rabbi Pinchas. The Amara Pinchas, Mishmeda Rabe, call Anoderes. Any lady, any woman, when she makes a vow, Adas Bala Inoderes. She is deep down always relying on her husband. So that's why, that's why it's not Muxe. Because she was expecting that the husband is a good husband. And we are not ladies. And maybe that's why I came today to ask to teach for my wife not to listen to me. No, I'm joking. I have no secrets from Karen. But any, anyway, you know, good Shalom Bai's advice. Never think that when your wife is telling you, that's what she means. You always have to go deeper beyond the words, right? So what Igemori is telling us that this lady made a nether, no more cake on Shabbos, right? But she only wanted to impress you. Deep down she's relying that you're gonna nullify the nether because she wants to have the cake on Shabbos. That is the Kamashmalan, that is the Musar, that is the lesson of the day. That even though she said something, she really didn't mean it. So that's why you cannot compare both cases. The Gemara continues weiter. Says the Gemara, the second part of what we, the Mishnah we quoted initially. Tashma, come and listen. Said the Mishnah, Nishalin Lenoran Shel Tzorech Shabbos, Bishabes, when also go to a Chacham and to do a Taras Nedarim and a vow that he needs for Shabbos. So, if one vowed not to eat certain food on Shabbos, he can go to a Chacham and ask a Taras Nedarim. Am I the same question? You just gave me a Ganze Megillah word about psychology of husband and wife. But the second case of the Mishnah is in general, even, even a man that can go on Shabbos to a Chacham to ask Ataz Nedarim, now he's the one. I put like five kilos over on Pesach. And I'm the one, a man, me, Rosiel, no more cakes on Shabbos. Why is the Mishnah? I can go on Shabbos to a Chacham and ask Ataz Nedarim so I can eat the cake on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, Adaz Yizekasha, Leima, Why? 
Let the person think, who says, I'm going to be able to find a chocham on Shabbos, that's going to be, be able to do a Taras Nedarim and, uh, and, and uh, permit my cake. So it's similar to the case of the Bechor. So there's a Gemara, no, awesome, there's also a difference. In Ilchos Ataras Nedarim, there's two ways to be Matir Aneder, either through a Chachamumche to one uh, knowledgeable judge, Sagi, but if he doesn't find that person, Sagi Lepesh Loshed Yoto is, oh, even three non experts, three laymen, can also do a Taras Nedarim. And that's why over here in Erev Rosh Hashanah, we do a Taras Nedarim with three people, even though we are not experts, because any three can do a Taras Nedarim. So it's similar again to the previous case of the wife. A person has in mind, I'm making a nether, but deep down he knows I want to eat cake on Shabbos, and if I don't want to find a chacham, I'm going to go to my three friends. Nowadays with the quarantine, it's a little bit more complicated, but nevertheless, as you see in South Africa, people make a plan. Okay. Achanami, Yamar, where are we? One second. Ah, so says the Gemara. If that is what you're giving us an answer, so I know. So the Gemara says, but uh, so a person can say, I can easily find three people that are idiotos, that laymen, to be Matthew my nether. But aha, but in the case of the Bechor, nobody's expecting that all of a sudden he's going to find on Yontev an expert. Three laymen cannot say that the blemish of the animal is a fixed one. He needs to find an expert, and he, that expert is willing. First of all, he needs the, the, the blemish to happen and has to be a fixed blemish, and he needs to find an expert that he's willing to work against the, the, the Rabbanan that he's not allowed to do it. So all that, the person says, no, forget about it. That's for sure not happening. And that's why in that case, according to Rabbi Shimon, it's going to be Mukse. Okay. Let's just continue a little bit more. Sorry, it's getting a little bit late-ish. Let's try to move on on this fast. Um, the Gemara said earlier in page 44 that according to Rabbi Shimon, a person is permitted to move the lamp, but only after it goes out, right? So Rabbi Le'avai Le'Rabbi Yosef, Abaye ask Rabbi Yosef the following question. Is that the case that Rabbi Shimon said that once the fire went out, you can move the candle, then you can infer but as long as the fire is still going on, you are not allowed, you are not allowed to move the candle. So says Abaye, why? So in my time, huh? uh, why, why shouldn't you be permitted to move the candle even 
while the candle is on. So says maybe Dilma, we are concerned that if you are carrying a candle while it's still on, you might end up extinguishing it, right? Now, to extinguish a flame is for sure forbidden because uh, you cannot extinguish a candle on Shabbos. We know that. It's a malachim. But says Abaye, but over here, it's not that he wants to ex extinguish the candle. He just wants to move the candle. Let's say you need to go to a room on Shabbos that is very dark. Let's say your wife. You forgot to leave the lights of the bathroom on. And your wife is scared to go to the bathroom with pitch dark. Why shouldn't be permitted according to Rabbi Shimon? Get one of the Shabbos candles while it's still on and bring it to the bathroom so your wife can see in the bathroom. Ah, you are concerned. Maybe while you're walking with the candle, the candle might go out. Maybe that's why you can't. Says Abayel, let's keep on reading the Gemara. Oh, Rabbi Shimon. Ah, Rabbi Shimon. Ah, Shmainale Rabbi Shimon. But we learned also in previous pages that Rabbi Shimon holds that if you do something and you don't have the intent, then even if it happens, it's okay. That was example, the Tanya. We saw it, this is for the third time in Masech Shabbos. A person might drag a chair, a bed, or a bench across the ground on Shabbos. As long as you don't intend to make a furrow. So you're schlepping in your garden a big bench. So even if it happens that you made a furrow, as long as that wasn't your kavana, you're permitted to Rabbi Shimon because it's Rabbi Shimon is coming. So same thing says Abayi. Why would Rabbi Shimon say that you're only allowed to use the candle once the fire goes out? Even while the fire is still on, you should be able to move it. And if it goes out, it's Rabbi Shimon is coming. You didn't have the intent, so that should be permitted. That is the question. So says Rabbi Yosef, so he's giving us a general rule on Rabbi Shimon. In any situation that if you would have intent, you would be transgressing a prohibition from the Torah. Let's say over here. If you put the light of the candle out on Shabbos, Bekavana, then that is the Yoraisa, you'll be transgressing from the Torah. So whenever in a situation that the Kavano would be Yosef de Raisa, says Rabbi Yosef, So in any situation that if you do it on purpose, it's an Yosef de Raisa, Rabbi Shim would say, even without Kavana, don't do it. Why? As a fence. So since putting out a candle on purpose, you are transgressing the Torah, Rabbi Shim said, don't move a candle, even without the intent to put it out, midrabanan as a gzera. Okay? Bekolei chadechimichaven ikei surah de rabanan, 
But in your case of a schlepping, of moving a kisse, a mito, a safsal, a chair, a bed, or a bench, that even if you do it, it wouldn't be the oraisa. Have you ever seen a farmer making furrows with benches, beds, or chairs? The answer is no. So this is uh, uh, not in the proper way of doing the melacha. So when you do a melacha beshinui, in not its normal way of doing it, it's only midalabanan. So that's why it says, Yosef, in the brisa of the bench and the bed and all that, that as long as you don't have covenant to make a furrow, it's okay because I shouldn't miscaven, because even if you will miscaven, we will not in any situation that if you do it would only be forbidden rabbinically, then you can do it even from the outset as long as you don't have the intent to do it. Okay? Are you so far with me? Are you okay with that? Let's just end up this discussion one more minute and then the show. Okay, so maybe Rabbi Yosef was able to convince Abaye, but Rabbi didn't take that answer. Why not? Because he's making the following challenge. Actually, the following Mishnah, we already saw it. We saw the following Mishnah uh, previously, in chapter 2. Says the Mishnah, People that sell garments. They can even sell jackets, Hugo Boss. And I told you, stay away from Hugo Boss for three reasons. First of all, because it was used by the Nazis. Hugo Boss is the one that made all the suits of the Nazis. Enough of a reason to stay away from Hugo Boss. Second reason, because he has sharpness. Most of Hugo Boss suits have wool and linen. That's the second important reason to keep away from that. And the third reason, because it's very expensive. So what a waste of your money. Okay? So, let's say, but you are not buying it, you're selling it. Because it's a good business. Okay, you can. I know nowadays, but in terms of the Mishnah, you could. So you're selling your Yugo Boss jacket. Says the Mishnah. You are permitted to wear the jacket on you, to model it for people to be able to buy it, even though you're wearing shavnes. Even though it's forbidden from the Torah to wear a mixture of wool and linen, in this case, it would be permitted. As long as you don't intend in the summer to wear it as a protection for the sun, and in, winter, and in the winter to protect yourself from the rain and the cold. So we see that as long as you don't have the intent, it's permitted. And let me ask you over here, are we dealing with a prohibition of the Torah? Shadness? The answer is yes. 
So you see that the rule given before by Rabbi Yosef was in truth. That even in something that if you do it with intent, you transgress in the Torah. Even in that case, Rabbi Shimon would permit to do it without intent. Yes, to end of the Mishnah, the Mishnah said that true in Metaltilim Bemakelechorein. People that were discreet, people that want to be careful, they wouldn't wear them. They would hang those jackets or those clothing on a stick behind them. Okay? In this Mishnah is a case that if the salesman would have intend, he would be transgressing a prohibition of the Torah. And nevertheless, the Mishnah says, Without intent, Rabbi Shimon would permit a person even from the beginning to do it. So we see that Rabbi Yosef's rule is not standing according to this Mishnah. Rather, Rabbi said, so then Rabbi is going to come just two more lines in the next page. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's only one line, not even. So says Rabbi, you know, what is the reason why, according to Rabbi Shimon, you wouldn't be permitted to transfer, to carry a candle while it's still on? Anach Lener, why? Leave this issue of the lamp and the oil and the wick aside, leave them aside. Why? Why cannot you why may you not move them while they're still burning? This is an important Allah which is going to finish today. This is an important Allah to know. Something becomes a basis something became the base of something that is forbidden. So the flame is something forbidden on Shabbos. You cannot touch a flame. You cannot try to move a flame on Shabbos. So since the flame is 100% depending on the wick, on the oil, and on the candle, so the three things, the candle, the oil, and the wick, become a basis for the fire, which is in itself forbidden, and anything that is a base for something forbidden, that itself becomes forbidden. But only as long as the fire is still on. But once the fire goes out, according to Rabbi Shimon, there's no more Dabar Asur, there's no forbidden thing on the candle. Everything becomes already permitted to use. That's not according to Rabbi Shimon. But according to Rabbi Uda, something that was forbidden at the beginning of Shabbos, at the beginning of Shabbos, is going to remain forbidden throughout the entire Shabbos. Shkar, gentlemen! All is good. See you tomorrow. I hope, I hope you enjoyed today's laugh. Okay. All is good. All the best, gentlemen. Shkoyach. Thank you, Shmuel. See you. All the best.